This essay was a top winner in the 2016 Garaventa Center High School Essay Contest, for which the prompt was the playlist of my life. Catalyze by Katie Steyert of St. Mary's Academy, Portland. The list starts with 12 blank years. Hit play and John Cage's 433 will loop over a million times. It's not because I once had a disproportionate love for the avant-garde, but because it took me 12 years to learn the lesson Cage tried to teach. The vital importance of sound. For the longest time, I listened deeply to nothing. My dad's country CDs, the hymns filling up the air of my church, and the new pop singles at the mall drifted vaguely through my awareness. But I was in middle school before I ever fully cared about any song I heard. I didn't know why it finally happened. I don't know if it was the song itself or if music decided to rear its head like the first signs of a young X-Men's mutation, but it was sudden, and it was lucky. Cue Coldplay's Viva La Vida. This song came out three years ago, my mom said. I was in the front seat of her car. I just rolled the volume knob to the right, and she was giving me the strangest look. Why'd you turn it up this time? I couldn't hear her, but I went home that night and bought the song. Maybe it had been something to do with the fact that I was still reeling a from an out-of-state move, or maybe it was truly spontaneous, but Viva was on repeat for the next week, much to the chagrin of my entire family. I can recite the lyrics at triple speed. That song became a catalyst for me, in the chemistry sense of the word. It never outright caused anything in my life, but it sped up the reactions between music, others, and me without being consumed itself. My inexplicable chance obsession with it pushed me towards so much else, like one huge decision. Music was going to be a part of me. My 12-year-old self had some high expectations. Up until that point, the things I loved were things I had loved since I was a toddler. There had been no new additions, and absolutely nothing that I decided just to tape out onto my life on a whim. But music sounded cool to me. It was part of a vision of an older self, whom I wanted to create by the time I was 16 or 17. In that future, I was taller, I had longer hair, and I played guitar. So with Viva's momentum, I made another executive decision. I dug out a rickety, somewhat functioning guitar from its retirement in my dad's storage unit and found a teacher. I could read music from my few years of grudging piano lessons, but I had no sense of rhythm. I always rushed ahead. The next stop on this playlist, a mewling, wobbly rendition of Coldplay's yellow on acoustic guitar, accompanied by frequent squeaks of pain and frustration. I had also conveniently chosen to enjoy only Coldplay. So, other than my peeling, reddened fingertips, that period was marked by an often recycled repertoire. My mock trial team has an old adage, fake it till you become it. And I really tried with guitar. For years, I practiced because I'd chosen it, not because I had any particularly natural talent, and eventually it started to make sense. When I was 14, I took my guitar to a rock camp where I performed an over-enthusiastic version of We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister with some equally excited bandmates. We had too much summer on our hands. 
but the summer got to our heads, and it was still stuck there when fall rolled around. So we kept playing together. Every time we met in our drummer's overcrowded garage, I couldn't help but think that God must have had some hand in getting me to these people and this level of ability with guitar, because this was never something I thought I'd actually do. It had been a hope only, and somehow it'd taken hold. Musicians other than Coldplay found their way to me too. Once my grip on my first love loosened, I'd wear band t-shirts everywhere I went, hoping to meet people who liked the same things. A couple times this tactic worked. Skip forward to Anna's Son by Walk the Moon. It's about college, which didn't apply to me, but it advocated being present and moving forward unafraid. It turned into my anthem with some of my newly found friends. We went to Walk the Moon concerts and screamed our throats raw and jumped until we had stitches on our sides. At these shows with that song, the focus of my music obsession started to shift away from me and my middle school dream. It was real enough now that it intersected with other lives, not just my own. It was a shared experience, no longer something contained in my headphones. So I started to put in actual work, to think about the theory, not the fantasy, to practice scales before fun solos, and to gather up the courage and lose the fear of failure, to improvise, which I finally did to the jazz standard Autumn Leaves in G minor. And while practicing the aggressive riffs of Hearts Barracuda for my bandmates, I managed to fulfill another goal, playing until I bled. If in those first 12 years of naive silence I'd been told that I'd accomplish any of this, I would have laughed. Music was never a feasible component of my future until I tripped over one opportune song. There are distinct befores and afters surrounding that point on my playlist, but it's not just a marker of a new era for me. It's a reminder that I'm not static, that one push by luck or God can change everything, and that I have the power to choose the things that will become important to me. However, it appears I can't unfortunately choose my height. <laughs>